You're listening to the Improve Photography Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Do you have big plans for the next year? Squarespace makes it easy to turn your idea into a unique website. Showcase your work, blog, or publish content, even sell products and services of all kind in just a few clicks. You can customize everything from the look and feel to the settings and products using beautiful templates created by world-class designers. And there's nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever. Head over to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code IMPROVE to save 10% off your purchase of a website or domain. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Jim Harmer, and I am continuing a series of interviews with listeners of the Improved Photography Podcast. And we've had a really diverse group already uh, who have uh, who have come on the show and talked um, everything from, you know, including... Th- what is happening? Uh, <laughs> um, something I said just made Hey Siri think that I was trying to talk to her. <laughs> and it just went... It just started playing an old episode of the podcast. That was the weirdest thing. I didn't even, I wasn't even touching my phone. Uh, I, I, Siri just really wants to listen to the podcast too. <laughs> but we've had a great series um, from including 3D models in your uh, photography to uh, awesome um, kind of otherworldly landscape photography. Uh, and today I, I really want to talk to you, Chris, because you're doing something very different uh, from anything that I have ever done in photography. Um, and and so I just wanted to include that experience on the show. So to somebody who's never seen your photos and to listeners right now who can't see your photos because this is an audio podcast, tell tell me about your style of photography. I like to take things that are real and that you can see and you can touch and process it based on my emotional reaction to the image. So I'll take the photo and then when I bring it either into the computer or have it in my phone, I will transform that photo into something that's fantasy. Almost like if you think that all of us look at the world through our own personal lens of experiences, likes and dislikes, and when you see my photos, you see through my lens. Yeah, so when I when I look at your photos, um, a lot of them have a very watercolor watercolor kind of look to them. Uh, others are um, I don't know how to describe it, kind of fractal looking, a uh, very uh, space age looking. Um, others kind of mm-hmm. have a uh, kind of a destroy a destroy is that the right word? Uh, just a very uh, grunge look to them. Uh, just all of the photos are a. Uh, are very different from what you're going to see with your natural eye. Very much like if you were to walk through an art gallery and look at drawings and paintings, the goal of most drawings and paintings is not to make it look just like a picture. Uh, It's to take what is there and to uh, remove a lot of the detail and make it look uh, uh, just to kind of represent what we're seeing and not trying to... um, make it look like what your eye is seeing. Does that make any sense? Yeah. And actually for me, that's, it's how my process is 
kind of an homage to the way I grew up. So I grew up in very bad circumstances, kind of my childhood is like what they make movies out of. And to survive that childhood, I didn't look at the world the way it was. I had to create fantasies, create this layer that separated me from the hardships and everything. And my photography is pays homage to that by starting with something that is real, that's in reality, and then adding that fantasy layer to the image, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely it does. Um, t- tell me what that's like. I mean, you uh, said you grew up with uh, in in hard circumstances. Uh, what was it like to to begin photography with that kind of background? It was daunting, <laughs> uh, in a in a weird way. It it kind of happened by accident. I had I had met a friend that had done an. He'd exhibited in an art gallery and a private gallery. And I was really thinking about doing something with photography. I talked to the gallery owner through my friend and then kind of said, okay, you know, we planned for me to do an exhibition. And before I actually had the photos yet. Wait, and- you hold on. You planned a photography exhibition before you had taken photos? Yeah. How how did this happen? You hold on. So, <laughs> so, so you're like, let's see. I want to get into photography. Let's start with a gallery show. Yeah. <laughs> and and how did how did this happen? How did how did the gallery owner? Uh, how, how how what was his what was he seeing here? So she actually hadn't seen any of my work. It was through my friend. Um, well, actually, we had a, a few mutual friends, and she knew some of the associations that I've had with different artists. And so I guess based on reputation, she just took me on faith. And between I between, you know, kind of cementing, okay, we're going to do the show and we're going to do it this month. We we did it in October. Uh, in between that time, we had, I had a, a trip planned to the West Indies. So I was thinking I was going to get a lot of photos in the West Indies. At the time, I just had a point and shoot, but you know, I'm ambitious. So get to the West Indies and like two days into the trip, the sensor on the camera started faulting on me and it would take photos but all the photos would have all these weird artifacts in them and at first I was angry and disheartened but I just decided to just keep taking the pictures keep taking them capture all the shots I wanted and that I was able to with the camera and then when I got home I started figuring out how to process them and from there in a strange way it kind of freed me up it allowed me to use my imagination and really kind of dig deeper into the photos Mm -hmm. and from there this style was kind of born but it was just really the failure of the camera was part of the process so because the because the 
the image quality or the gear wasn't up to snuff with, uh, you know, creating perfectly sharp, amazing photos, you kind of uh, embraced that and and took on this this different style. Yes, that's really cool. Uh, that's cool. So so how are you getting uh, the results you are like I, I'm looking at some of these photos especially the ones that just have a very watercolor kind of look to them uh, what's your process for creating that because I, I wouldn't even know where to start it looks so cool I I experiment with a lot of different things and as I'm experimenting I'm really paying close attention to how the app uh, especially with the watercolors, those are all taken with the phone and processed in an Android phone. These are all taken with a phone? <clears throat> yeah. the All really? the watercolors ones are. Dude, you're blowing my mind. This is so cool. Uh, I, I mean, oh, it, I guess what's uh, what's cool to me about this is that it's just so different from what I create. Um, you know, I... I think like most photographers, uh, we go out and we try to make a photo look as sharp, as realistic, uh, as much like you're looking through a window as possible, uh, just with really good light and color and, co and composition. Um, and this is, is very different. There's a much more expressionistic uh, f uh, take on photography. So what app do you use? So for this one, I use an app called Portra. It's P-O-R-T-R-A. Uh-huh. And this was actually something I've been, a look that I've been searching for for about the past three years. Uh, the, the art that I create with the photography is sometimes created in character, is I also write fiction. And some of the characters in the fiction books are visual artists. And one of them that I've really been searching for to get the right look for his artwork, is he's a watercolor painter. And I've been really struggling trying to find that right look that would represent the works of art that I'm writing about that he's creating. And so when I found this app, I really kind of dug in deep. And I'd say for using the apps, the first thing I do is I start playing around in my spare time with everything that's on my phone, whatever kind of picture it's there doesn't matter whether it's something I'm going to ever show anyone or not, but I'm trying to find how the app approaches or how it works with the photos. How does it treat the colors? What do I have to do composition-wise? Because like with Portra, I have to be very careful about the composition. I have to actually shift the composition a little bit off-center from how I would normally take a photo because of the way Portra wants to process the photo. So these are just a couple of the things that I'm looking at when I'm trying out a new app. Huh, interesting. So are you shooting everything with the phone or are you shooting some of them with a different camera? I use, for the most part, a Canon Rebel T3i. Uh-huh. And... When I, when I walk out the door knowing I'm taking photos, that's the camera that I use. Uh, but, of course, the phone is just always with me, so I'll just take random shots. And, you know, sometimes, since I'm married, I don't want to bring the camera just for the sake of our relationship. <laughs> I understand that. So, uh, in, in cases like that, and then, you know, of course, at times like that, 
some things just demand a photo be taken. So I'll pull out the phone and take those take those shots. You're like, honey, no, you don't understand. I couldn't help it. Exactly. <laughs> so this shot's not going to happen again. It's all about timing. Uh, that's really cool. And uh, and as you were talking, I just downloaded this app, Portra. It's really cool. It's pretty neat. Yeah, it has some interesting looks. And it's, uh, in all honesty, like I said, it's been three years trying to find just that look. Um, I'd say that's part of the other thing. Um, when I'm looking, you know, kind of going through the app store looking for apps or even kind of looking online for computer plugins for Photoshop or whatever, I do so with a vision. I have an idea of what I'm trying to get to. And when I'm sampling the different apps, I'm seeing how close can I get to my vision using that app. Interesting. So I see this one uh, called Seesaw, which looks like it's a you know, kind of an industrial building uh, over over the water with some, you know, pure, pure columns oh, yeah. supporting it. Um, is this also with the same app? Yeah. Ah, it's In interesting. You know, it's it's taken me time to uh, to kind of embrace the next um, the next version, the next steps in photography, the way the industry is going uh, to, mm -hmm. you know, for somebody who's very competent in Photoshop and Lightroom and all the technical parts of photography, it's difficult uh, to to then see new apps come out, you know, an app on a phone and say, this yeah. is a serious photo editing device. Uh, it's really <laughs> difficult to embrace that, you know, because you say, no, this is a toy. Apps are toys. Uh, real work <laughs> happens in Photoshop, you know, <laughs> real men yeah. edit in Photoshop. Uh, but but uh, the thing is, I, I keep seeing things like on a weekly basis. I'm seeing new apps that do things uh, sometimes better than Photoshop, sometimes faster than Photoshop, um, sometimes that just have a much more creative take uh, than than what I could even recreate in Photoshop. Uh, and it's it's taken me time to finally embrace that. And and now that I am, man, I'm just I'm finding new tools all the time that are just, hey, this is really cool software. And uh, yeah, it's it's an app that runs on my phone, and you know it's doing a darn good job. <laughs> uh, it, it's amazing, and it's actually gotten to the point where for some things, like with Portra. Uh, for some of the things, I'm going to take the photo with my Canon, but I'm going to have to bring the photo onto my phone to use the app before I take it back to the computer. Yeah, because I'm looking at some of these effects and it's like, yeah, I mean, I guess I could do that in Photoshop, but I don't know if I could quite get it to look like this. Uh, and and that's uh, that's pretty cool. And sometimes that's the real benefit, um, you know, mm -hmm. especially, you know, like Aurora HDR and stuff. I, I, I like Aurora HDR. Uh, it's cool. Um, yeah. but it's not something that I like fall, have fallen in love with where it's like, Oh, you've got to try this app. But still, sometimes I get a photo and I'm like, Ooh, you know what? I know it's going to look good on this. It just has a little different effect, a little different something. Um, yep. and it's, it's helpful for me to try out the do the new apps that are coming out like crazy at a very fast rate, uh, because some of them, uh, end up becoming, becoming really helpful tools, not unlike, uh, landscape pro that I've mentioned on the, on the podcast for sky replacements. Uh, like, you know, I first, I thought, ah, oh, this is a toy. And then I <laughs> bring it out and, and you start playing with it and it's like, 
huh, it's a toy that could do that sky replacement like way faster than I could, maybe even better. <laughs> uh, it's cool. Yeah. It's, it's an amazing thing. But one of the, just a caveat is when using these apps, sometimes the update destroys all the parts of the app that you love. Mm. I had that with the Google app. A few years ago, I was able to come up with amazing photos that just within the phone, I could age it. So it looked like it took, I had taken the photo from like in the 1940s and they went, they did some little update and they kind of dumbed it. Well, kind of, they just completely dumbed the entire app down. They removed all of the effects that I used to love to process my photos with so now it got to the point where i don't even touch it mm, interesting yeah that that's uh you know and i guess that's going to come when the tools are useful for pros but targeted toward amateurs who you know yeah. no big deal if that instagram filter's gone you know world in an <laughs> end but for pros sometimes that is important yeah well i want to dig in a little bit deeper and talk more about uh, your process and kind of where you're finding your vision for for uh, choosing your subjects to shoot. But before we mm -hmm. do that, let's take just a second and thank our sponsors. Support for today's show comes from Squarespace. Eight years ago when I started ImprovePhotography.com is one of my very first websites and it completely changed my life when I started to see people coming to the website and it ended up becoming my business. If you're ready to start your own new business, why wait until the new year to set your plans into action? The future is coming. Make it brighter with Squarespace. Squarespace has beautiful templates and is really easy to just turn on and make your idea come to reality. They have beautiful templates. Really, anybody could do it. If you just go to squarespace.com and you can start your own website with your custom domain name, you know, your, whatever your website is called, .com, you can get your custom name and make it look professional right from the gate. So head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code IMPROVE to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. That's squarespace.com, offer code IMPROVE. One thing I notice as I look through your portfolio is a lot of the subjects are very different from what... Um, photographers may typically or traditionally choose uh, for a subject. It's not that epic mountain scene. Uh, it's a more common, you know, uh, looking at, you know, we're getting part of a bed and looking into a window and kind of a uh, interesting looking room uh, or this, uh, you know, building over the water. Uh, it's just a kind of more ordinary locations but maybe that have more of a geographic or a geographic uh geometric uh shapes to them strong uh strong shapes in the photo so so what is it that uh that catches your eye and and says hey i'm going to pull out the camera images that make me imagine something a building that makes me think i wonder you know what kind of people are in there and then i can maybe create a story around the people that I think would be inside that building. Those are the things that kind of draw me in. And again, that kind of harkens back to childhood where I would look at people walking down the street and kind of imagine, you know, what that person's office looks like or what their home looks like, you know, how big is their family? 
So for me, ordinary things can still hold a certain magic and just capture my interest. How are you able to uh, translate that to others? I noticed on your website you have uh, photos for sale. As you mentioned, you've uh, displayed in a gallery. Um, how do you find that the, that your style of photography resonates with others, uh, especially because it's so different from what we typically see from photographers? Well, one of the things I've found that seems to kind of work for me is when I create something, yes, it has like what a you know, like a certain meaning to me and there's certain things i was trying to capture and express but once it's created i allow the viewer to own their own experience so i hold no investment in what someone else sees in the photos or how it re how they react to it and in doing so that kind of creates conversations because like one of the photos that I had sold in my first showing was of a slave house. And I took the photo in a way where it was a window with bars on it. And then the slave house had horizontal wooden slats. The composition made it look like essentially the American flag, but with bars instead of stars and the wooden slats instead of stripes. And the person that had bought it was a descendant of, I believe, of President Grant. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, I never would have thought it. I didn't even know that he had relations to him. But the photo had special meaning to him because of his lineage. Another photo, which actually was just of, I had a nice composition, but of my wife's on my couch in our living room, and someone else felt something from that. It took her back to some earlier moment in her life that had meaning to her. So I think that's really the key. It's you, I just create what I, what interests me, but... Things that I expected people would like don't sell, and things that I thought, yeah, right, people buy. It's the oddest thing. I, I have not quite figured that formula out, if there is one. I definitely understand that. Uh, you know, it's a surprising experience anytime you do your first portrait shoot because they never, ever pick the same photos as you. <laughs> <laughs> But I have uh, definitely noticed that that um, when people are going to actually pull out a wallet for a photo, it has to have some kind of secondary meaning for them. Even if it's just you know, it, uh, you know, it, it reminds me of this beautiful city where I'm where I'm on vacation. You know, there's a beautiful yep. place in this beautiful city, um, but it, it has to speak something to them. Otherwise, it just looks like all the other random gallery wraps at ikea you know it's just yeah there are a lot of beautiful photos out there you can get them at target you can get them at walmart you can get them at ikea and there's just nothing special about them they're just nice photos and mm -hmm. unless you can get a, a piece of art if you're going to display that in your house it, it needs to have some kind of meaning to you it has to touch you in some other way yeah and actually in that is a little bit of a lesson that the one piece I was talking about, the, the bars and stripes one of the slave house, mm -hmm. 
Okay, so because of the way I process the photos, you know, I, I send it out and I have certain um, vendors that I have print the things um, on that one was printed on wood for me. And when I received it back from the vendor, I almost didn't show it. When I, <clears throat> excuse me, when I opened up the package and I looked at it, I almost didn't even put it in the show. I said, what was I thinking when I picked this composition? It's horrible. But there's an old quote that I can't even remember where I heard it, that you are not your audience. So I showed it anyhow, and that was the very first piece of mine that sold. The very, the only one in that entire exhibition that I second-guessed even showing. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, I had an... Uh, that, that's a good quote. I had an experience not to, not uh, too long ago. Uh, I won't say which one, but I recorded a podcast episode and I just thought, man, that just fell flat a little bit. Just uh, definitely not the best. Uh, and I and somebody wrote in and said, man, that was just really enjoyable. I love that. And and that that quote that you just said, you are not your audience, is so true. And and that's uh, I, I guess kind of the genesis for this series of of interviewing the listeners of the podcast is, to be honest, work like yours is really beautiful, but it's so different from what I do that it's something that I would generally skip over and say, oh, that's that's not what I do. Um, and so to stop and really look and just appreciate what a lot of very different people from very different backgrounds are doing is, is really cool. Yeah, that, and to be honest, when I heard the call um, in your podcast for listeners to write in, I almost didn't because what I do is so different than what people think of when they say, I'm a photographer. Mm -hmm. So, But again, I kind of live by that quote that I am not my audience and said, you know, just give it a shot and we'll see what happens. Yeah, and that's uh, that's something I've had to to learn as I've just, um, I guess, uh, matured a little bit maybe in in just art in general and my appreciation of art, not even as a creator, but just as a consumer of photos and paintings and art in general. Um, mm -hmm. I, I remember many many art galleries just walking through and being like, "Ugh, how does somebody like this? What is going <laughs> on? Uh, you know, just ah, it, this doesn't look realistic at all. I could take a photo that looks way more real than that." Uh, and it, it takes a it, it took me a long time to really start to to appreciate some some deeper things in that art. Yeah, I'm guilty as well. I've had a couple of trips to the Museum of, the Con of Contemporary Art and, you know, left the museum in just frustration saying, how did anyone even think to put that on display? Mm -hmm. Who curated this? But, you know, it, someone did. And I've come across people who love that stuff that I was looking at with a frown. So, you know, I guess there's space for all of us. It's just, you know, finding where you fit in. Yeah, it's true and um and as a photographer, you can you can easily I can easily look back and see even just not even in my own photos, but just in the photos that I look up to, that I appreciate. Uh 
as that has matured over time. Uh, uh, someone who's not a photographer uh, looks at a photographer's portfolio very different than another photographer looks at that portfolio. Oh, yeah. uh, because, you know, we've all seen the wedding photo where they put the ring in the middle of the book and it makes a heart-shaped shadow. We've seen it before, and so we're not <laughs> impressed by that. Uh, but you know what? The wedding couple you're photographing for probably has not. Uh, and right. so when you put that photo in the in the in the wedding book, they say, "Wow, that was so artistic," you know, and they love it, uh, and that's yeah. great. And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, it's not that they're a, a lesser form of art consumer. It's just a different uh, a different appreciation for it. And and I think that's what's kind of cool about art is. Uh, what you're doing is never going to resonate with everyone, but it's almost always going to resonate with someone. Yeah. And that's actually been kind of one of like my biggest, how should I say quote or a bit of advice that I've given to beginning artists is the, just for the sake of your sanity. When people don't, you don't appreciate what you're doing or don't get what you're doing. It doesn't remove the value of what you're doing. It's just telling you that person is not your audience. It's a question of taste, not a question of validity. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, taking that approach has its drawbacks because sometimes you're going to hit a niche market and the majority of people aren't going to love it. Yep. Uh, and and at that point, you have to decide: uh, Am I shooting to uh, shooting for others? Am I shooting to make a splash, or am I shooting to make art that I appreciate? And I don't think there's one one of those is right and the other is wrong. Uh, they're just different approaches to to your goal with photography. Most definitely. If your goal is to become a full time photographer, well, you know, if you shoot this very niche, very odd style, uh, that may be may be tough. If you're going to sh- become a full time photographer, many photographers are going to have to find they need to shoot something a little bit more mainstream. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it's just just interesting to see uh, what everybody's doing. Yep. Well, in every episode, we like to share a doodad of the week. What do you have for us? Okay, so I've already mentioned Portra. Mm-hmm. So let me see. And that is a free app, by the way. I just looked at it. That's pretty cool. They have looks like they have some in-app purchases, but you can you can at least get the app for free. Yeah. So I love that one. Uh, let me see. Everyone knows about Visco already. Yeah, that's another one. VSCO is another great app. So lots mm-hmm. of great apps, but yeah. two of them, there are Portra and Vasco. They're both great apps. Yeah. As, as far as other doodads, I'm... You're not much of the gear lost. guy. Yeah, this is very different for you. Yeah. And to be honest, a lot of that has to do with the fact that, you know, between the stuff, because I'm also a musician, a music producer, and everything starts getting very, very expensive. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Between music equipment, software, um, and I guess that's one of the other things I like about the free apps. You know, given that so much, so much of the software these days has become subscription based, mm-hmm. that I like apps like Portra. Um, I, another one I use that's free, that's on Android that I know of, is Sketch Camera. Uh, I like the idea of 
being able to experiment for free and see whether I like it or not without incurring yet another cost. Right. Yeah. Very good. My recommendation this week is the Manfrotto Super Clamp. Um, I usually don't love a lot of the Manfrotto stuff, especially because they use a proprietary uh, clamp for their heads, which I think really uh, hurts uh, hurts the sellability of their ball heads because uh, I, most photographers, I think, today are, are, are liking the, the L brackets and what they can do, especially if you shoot a lot on a, on a tripod and Manfrotto doesn't adhere to the Arca Swiss standard. Uh, so I don't really use a whole lot of Manfrotto products, but the Super Clamp is a great uh, product if you're wanting to stash a camera somewhere or a light somewhere. Uh, you know, you want to put a, a camera on a, you know, behind a basketball hoop for a game and, and shoot it remotely. The Manfrotto Super Clamp is is a super clamp. It's extremely strong and will hook on to a, to a standard stud so that you can attach a light to it or or a, a ball head, whatever whatever you want to attach. So that's my doodad this week. Well, Chris, it was great to talk with you. I appreciate you sharing uh, your knowledge and experience in photography. Where can people check on your work? Uh, you can find me at chriswesley.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-W-E-S-L-E-Y.com. And thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure being on your show. It was good talking with you. Bye.